three, two, one. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like a knee visine. Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like a knee visine. Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off. Blast off on another episode of Hero Paranormal Podcast. That's right. I'm Ryan, the original outlaw of the airwaves, bringing you. An episode live from the base of La Madre Mountain. That's correct. Here in Las Vegas, Nevada, just south of Area 51. And we are going to get deep, dark, and, well, never stop improving ourselves looking down the rabbit hole with our guest today, Jeff Woolwine. If you haven't heard of Jeff, well, you've been living under a rock because Jeff has that appeal that really kind of it hits home with me. He's an investigator that has spent a ton of time out in the field, which I believe is where intelligence and the invigorating experiences and advice come from. Hours and hours of time in the field. That's where you should get your playbook from. Whether it's you spending the time in the field or not, you should uh, take the advice from those who have. And Jeff is one of those people. So let's get in that. And he, we're going to go into all kinds of stuff, I think, because Jeff is all about doing that. His his research is amazing. He's gone into the Hohokam and the Mountain of Mercy, South Mountain, Phoenix, Arizona, you name it, he's done it. He's been a tour guide for South Mountain. He's been on Ancient Aliens. He's got the TV background, yet he's not very TV friendly. He wants the truth out. He's not just about getting whatever, you know, the TV stuff. So uh, we'll let him explain it. He does it better than I do. And um, I'm, I'm just rough around the edges when it comes to the intense knowledge he has about Arizona. So without further ado, let's get into Jeff Woolwine. Welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast, my man. Hey, how you doing, guy? Doing good. How, how's your trip to Vegas been so far? Oh, man, it was awesome. Very true, very true. Um, where you guys are at, are you guys running into as much of this, like, smoke and stuff in the air as we are out here in Nevada? Oh, my goodness, yeah. You know, we, we were getting an heavy, um, like, a whole month of last month. And uh, it started going away, and uh, but now it's starting to come back. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of those fires. Yeah, you can barely see the mountains. Oh, that's a shame. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. I I wanted to ask you when you were out here. Um, Are you there? Oh yeah, one moment. Hey, there we go. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, I yeah. lost you. Um, when you were out here, uh, Jeff, you mentioned that you stayed at the Luxor, and I mean that was pretty close to Ground Zero on the October first. Was it a weird vibe when you guys were there? Um, a weird. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you mean. So, oh, what happened? Did I miss something on October first? <laughs> No, no, uh, the pyramid. I've I've heard that they're thinking about getting rid of the Luxor just since oh. the, since the shooting, and so I didn't know. I haven't really been down to the Strip, even though I live here in Vegas, and um, you know, I've just just I, I go like once a month to like get something or do something, and you know, I haven't been in the casinos and stuff, and I just wanted to know what is what's it like in there, you know, with the COVID and stuff. Are there still people going in and out? Was there was there activity? Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, just going back this a little bit, you, you mentioned the shooting. Was there a shooting at the Lexor? Mm-mm. Oh, a long time ago, back on October 1st. Let's see. It's been like, oh, my gosh, three years ago. Three years ago now. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I do I do, do a, I have a paranormal show also, and I did do a seance inside the pyramid, inside the Lexor. Nice. Uh, in, in, in the... Um, 
in my room there. And uh, I did pick up a lot of uh, communications. Um, I noticed, I, I knew that there was a lot of, um, like, some of the construction workers felt that um, mm -hmm. there was uh, a prostitute that jumped to her death onto the floor there. They had to totally remodel a place. Um, so, I, and I also, I also did some research on how before the lecture it was built that that ground used to be, uh, the dumping ground of all the monsters, uh, hit jobs. And actually, from what I understand, that, that pyramid is sitting on a, uh, um, a, uh, type of swamp, so it's sinking. Um, so I've heard a lot of, a lot of, uh, people say that, you know, they're gonna take the lecture down. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, when I was inside there, I did notice a lot of cracking inside the building. The Lexor is cracking. Um, I don't know if it's due to settling or if it's sinking, but yeah, there's a lot of cracks inside the Lexor. Um, there, are you still there? Yep, yep, I'm here. Are you still there? Yep, yep, hey, yeah, I, I'm here, I'm here. Uh, uh, okay, cool, okay. So, um... So yeah, so I knew that there was a lot of death there. Um, not, not only do I investigate UFOs, but I, I also do my paranormal ghost stuff. Um, I have I have two shows now on Facebook. One's my UFO show, and one is my uh, my seance show, my my SLS camera. Uh, I did try to take the SLS camera through the Lexor, uh, but security stopped us, <laughs> and uh, they told us I wasn't able to film in there. They wanted to make sure that we wasn't like terrorists trying to blow up the place. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had, we actually had to prove uh, that we were staying there, and they were guests at the at the lecture there. So that kind of got tense. Um, it's unfortunate that I was I didn't have enough time to use the SLS camera there to pick up any apparition, uh, but I did do a seance there. <clears throat> um, as far as like the social distance thing, you know, there's a lot of a lot of masks. Like, everybody's wearing masks inside there, and. Uh, uh, there's a lot of, uh, guards placed all over the place. And, uh, if you're not wearing the mask, they kindly tell you to put, to put on a mask and things like that. So, yeah. Not, not too bad Are then. Not too bad then. I mean, it wasn't okay. like, yeah, <laughs> they weren't, they weren't like, cool. Now, Jeff, I wanted to, let's get to the good stuff. The UFO stuff, man, you have gotten some of the most amazing footage you got one october 12th 2018 this is one that i've just been fascinated by and um you filmed it i was so it's so impressive can you go into that one and some of the other footage that you've gathered around the phoenix area oh my goodness you know i, I filmed so many it's like really hard to keep up with all of them I'm not sure which one you're talking about let's actually see it um but yeah there's a lot of activity out here around the mountains of Phoenix, especially uh, South Mountain. I mean, South Mountain has, has always been the hot spot uh, for these uh, entities. And, you know, uh, going into this, you know, I, I'm thinking, oh, my God, these are spaceships, these are crafts, these are all alien, you know, technology. But actually witnessing these things on a daily basis and actually getting up close to these things uh, and understanding the rock art, the petroglyphs that are out there carved by the Native Americans over a thousand years ago. Yeah, I came to the conclusion, look, this is not technology here. Uh, what we're seeing in the skies is, is, you know, there's a light out there. and A lot of people think it's a spaceship. But, uh, you know, according to the Native Americans, according to the petroglyphs, and according to what, you know, I discovered for my own self, uh, this is not technology. Each light uh, is a living entity, if you will. Um, these things are alive. It's, this isn't technology that we're dealing with. This isn't a spaceship from another planet. These things are, are alive, living entities or creatures, if you will. And uh, a lot of people haven't really understood this yet uh, because they haven't really looked into it as much as I have uh, over the last close to 20 years now. And, uh, you know, going into this, I used to, like I said before, I used to think, you know, flying saucers and discs and and a V-shaped craft going over Phoenix, Arizona, but there's, there's no evidence of that. I have found not one a single source of evidence of anything, of a technology, of a spaceship going over Phoenix. Uh, it's all been hearsay. Uh, but what is credible is what the Native Americans are talking about as far as the, the petroglyphs carved on the mountains out here in the Valley of the Sun. And it explains living entities, living, living creatures. 
the archaeologists like to call these petroglyphs out here the ones that shape shift anthropomorphs because they're morphing, they're shape shifting. This is exactly what the Native Americans are telling us that these things are shape shifters. This is what they're doing in the sky. They're changing shape, they're changing color. Uh, they're, they're glowing, they're, they're lighting up, things like this. And uh, I don't see any technology behind this at all. Uh, I, I find that these things are alive. They're living creatures. You see five lights out there in the sky, not looking at some cloaked ship there. You're looking at five living entities, five living creatures. And uh, a lot of these so-called ufologists, you know, have failed to really understand this yet and look into this possibility that, uh, you know, well, maybe, you know, sure, there's, there's crafts out there, I get it, why not, I understand this, but I think what the majority of the public is witnessing are living creatures, living entities, these orbs, uh, these flying snakes, Quetzalcoatl, if you will. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. he's alive and well in the mountains of Phoenix, Arizona. I have filmed him many times. Yes, sir. Um, so it's the same stuff that we're seeing in Mexico, we're seeing in Phoenix, Arizona, also and quite possibly all around the world. Amen, brother. I couldn't agree more, and I think the Native American aspect is one that so many people have so little loyalty to, and I'm glad that you bring it up because it's important. And it brings up something that I think is super wild and interesting, which is, you know, the giants the, and where that leads and, and some of the six-fingered stuff that you found, Jeff. Could you go into that a bit? Oh, my goodness. You know, looking at these petroglyphs out here, there's a lot of stuff that uh, is, is on the mountains. There's so much evidence uh, on the mountains, especially South Mountain, of, of what, you know, Phoenix really is all about, the, the true history of Phoenix, Arizona, what its history is, and what these, what these Phoenix lights truly is. And uh, so much of it has been covered up for the last 80 years, and it's really sad. But in a way... Um, I can understand why it's being covered up, but uh, in the same token, I, I feel that we, ha we have the right to understand what's really here and not someone else telling us, look, dude, we're not going to tell you this information anymore because it's so uh, off the topic of what we want you to believe. And uh, so going into this, you know, I was taught um, by, a Native, by, a, by a Native American shaman who took me up there on, on South Mountain to understand the petroglyphs, uh, to explain what the spirals mean, uh, to explain what all these petroglyphs are, are truly talking about. And, uh, you know, as far as, as far as the giants was concerned, yes, there, there's carvings of giants out there with six fingers, uh, with six finger hands. And, uh, you know, there's evidence of the giants out there. Uh, I found big, massive walls. I mean, huge, uh, walls out there on South Mountain. And on uh, one side, there was massive uh, petroglyphs, and then that's been all destroyed, been blown up. And then on the other side, you can clearly tell that this was a giant wall of some sort. And uh, there's just no way that a regular human would be able to construct this wall. It was so huge, it was so massive. Uh, stuff that, that, stuff that we, we would see like in Egypt. I mean, this kind of um, um, wall, this, this kind of carvings, if you will, these huge bricks that have been stacked on top of each other, and there's just no way that, that the regular human would have been able to construct this. Not only that, but we're talking about the tombs. Uh, there's, there's plenty of tombs out there on South Mountain in Phoenix, Arizona, that, and according to the history, has been left by the Mayans. Now, I going into this, you know, this first year, I'm finding all this stuff, and the archaeologist out here in Phoenix is really disappointing. Uh, he really doesn't talk about any of, any of this uh, history uh, as far as uh, the giants and, and how the Mayans were actually here along with the Holocom people. And, uh, and it's really sad that, it, that they don't talk about this anymore. But, you know, I found all this information, not only hiking South Mountain and, 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 and discovering all this evidence, taking photographs and bringing the photographs down and, and actually examining what's there, but also a year later I found information in the, in the Phoenix Public Library about the first park ranger. And this, this information was stuck in a folder for the last 80 years, and uh, it talked about, you know, the first park ranger back in the 1930s, his name was Charles Fuller, and he actually knew uh, about the true history of Phoenix, Arizona, and how he came to this was the Native Americans at that time uh, trusted Charles and 
they told Charles about, you know, the, the, the tombs that are out there that were concealed with gold. And they told Charles, you know, the actual the Holocom Indians was just a simply a simple peace-loving race, you know, didn't make war with anybody and who ruled this valley for a thousand years or masters of the Holocom, or they were masters of uh, uh, the canal systems, you know, the world at that time. And uh, they just simply uh, migrated somewhere else uh, because of uh, heat and drought. Uh, but yet there's no evidence of this. There's no evidence of them, you know, going to another place or migrating to another place that's not, that's not so hot, hot and dusty or whatever. And uh, that's because this is wrong information. Um, according to the true information, you know, the meaning Holocon is a Pima Indian name. And uh, the Pimas and the Tohoto Odom tribes, the tribes that are currently with us today, uh, consider themselves ancestors to the Holocom. And they named these people the Holocom for the people who are missing, the people who are gone, the people who got taken away. Because we don't know what happened to these people. Yep. Archaeologists want us to say they migrated somewhere else. But the oral tradition, the petroglyphs, uh, depictions on the carvings out here, uh, if we were to look at these uh, inscriptions as fact, uh, show that these uh, Holocom people actually uh, were taken away by these Phoenix lights, by these living creatures in the sky, by Quetzalcoatl, and all these uh, orbs and lights and all these things that we see in the skies today. Um, they were actually, some would say, abducted. The petroglyphs show them taking these people up and carrying them up into the sky and to return. And that's exactly what the story goes on Phoenix, Arizona. According to Holberg's uh, writings and, and inscriptions that I discovered in the Phoenix Library, uh, it took away uh, for 80 years because after Holberg died, uh, his information was no longer told anymore. Uh, I mean, because Holberg did tours on South Mountain and explained to people on how uh, there's mine gold here, there's mine tombs here, explained about the giants and and all this crazy stuff. And after his death, uh, this information was just wiped off, off the uh, public eye. And um, until I discovered, I, until I just, you know, brought the information back um, through my research, and it talked about on how when the, um, this is this is Charles Holbrook, the first park ranger's uh, information now. So if you can't believe the first park ranger, mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix Arizona, I don't know what else he can believe, you know, because this is incredible stuff. And he says, he's learned this from the Native Americans. He says that when the Holocombs first lived here, first arrived here in, the, in this valley, it wasn't a dried up uh, desert like it is today. It was a tropical-like landscape. And we can see evidence from all the water uh, and the waterfalls down to the, uh, on the mountains and things like this, but that uh, that this wasn't all dried up. When the Holocombs first got here, um, they didn't know how to live. So these spirits of the earth and sky came down from the heavens, came up from the ground, up from the sand world, and they taught these people how to survive, how to live. In return, these people treated these people as gods. Uh, they looked at them as gods. They performed sacrifice to them. We can still see the evidence of the altars out there on South Mountain. And... Uh, and after a while, this, this went on for a thousand years or happy. Now, this was a, a major place where all the Native Americans used to gather uh, from all across the states, from all across the nation. Uh, this was a major source here in the Valley of the Sun. This mountain, uh, now known as South Mountain, formerly known as Mount Sapoa, Mountain of Mercy, uh, because this is where the Phoenix Lights was taking place at. This is where their uh, entities, this is where their gods, if you will, uh, was uh, making their presence known on a regular basis. And after a thousand years of this, uh, something suddenly uh, went wrong. Uh, for reasons unknown, the sacrificing stopped. And when the sacrificing stopped, that's when things started to dry up. That's when uh, the tropical landscape, if you will, the, the green grass and everything started to, die, started to dry up. Everything started to go to waste. And uh, they knew something was wrong. And then all of a sudden, uh, the story goes on to say that uh, these people uh, were taken away. They said, some, some stories say that the devil came from the east and took these people away. Uh, others say that a great meteor came down and, and wiped these people out. Um, but there were survivors to this. 
and they were watching what was going on. And they were afraid. They were they hid in caves and they saw these uh, Phoenix lights, these flying serpents, these you know orbs in the sky coming down and picking people up and taking them off into the sky and they were afraid. And after it was all over with, uh, they vowed never to live in this valley again. They knew that if they were gonna continue to live in this valley of the sun, that eventually they would have to go back to war with the spirits of the earth and sky, AKA UFOs, uh, AKA Phoenix Light, AKA these orbs and things that we see in the skies today. So they knew what was going on. This is a scary thing. And so they packed up all this stuff. They buried their gold. They said that, that they, they said that the gold was as high as the tallest saguaro cactus and as round as the sun. And they buried all this gold in tombs all around South Mountain uh, for the mines to return once again to, to re-uncover the gold, to reclaim the gold. So that's the story here. That's the reason why these tombs have been untouched for all these years is because the Mayans are supposed to come back and, and open these things back up and, and, and grab the gold out of it. And everything is going to start over again. Yeah, man. So these people, they were afraid. They vowed they never to live in this valley. And they cursed this valley of the sun. They said that whoever was going to live here, there were, that this was a cursed land and, uh, you know, they were going to have to go back to war with these beings. So they all took off back to Mexico. And so for 400 years, nobody lived in this valley of the sun. Uh, until, you know, until later, uh, in the, uh, close to the beginning of the 1800s, when Jack Spelling and his, and his family and his people came over, uh, the West, the White Cake Mountains and they started, uh, they, they saw the whole Com Canals and they saw the, the whole guns and the structures and they looked, they said, oh, this is farmland, you know, so it, eventually Phoenix, you know, uh, people started to to live back in this valley, and and of course Phoenix is a fiery bird that rose up from the ashes of of the formal civilization. But uh, they're concealing the information on what this formal civilization consists of, and this talks about the giants. This talks about basically, basically, if you really look at it in a nutshell, it all seems to add up uh, when we look at the first book of Genesis six, when it says that these these things came from the earth. These things were cast down to earth, and from there the, pe- the people treated these beings as gods, and from there brought, from there, uh, brought forth giants. I mean, it's really interesting because we can read some of these some of these scrolls, and then we can go out there on the rocks and we can actually see the prehistoric photographs, and then we can see we can see the evidence now in the skies. This is the reason why I call my, my research petroglyphs in the sky. Not crafts in the sky, not, not spaceships over Phoenix, but petroglyphs in the sky, because that is what we're kind of dealing with here. Amen. And the petroglyphs and, and what's going on really don't depict flying saucers, crafts, any of that stuff, but what's really here are living creatures, living entities, and the whole cover-up is, is the history here, what really happens here. And like I said, after, you know, Holberg told people about this, you know, until after his death and when he died, all this information was tucked in the library, never never seen again, until I uncovered all this information 80 years later and brought this information back to the public. And um, so, yeah, that is basically, in a nutshell, what the first park ranger, what the true history of Phoenix is talking about and what the Phoenix likes really is. Amen, brother. I can't believe your research it's so amazing i mean the first first park ranger charles i'm glad you brought him up because it does look like there is an archaeological cover-up lost civilizations uncovered and a rumor that the smithsonian institution covered up an egyptian site found in the grand canyon published on the front page of the arizona gazette in 1909 can you tell us a little bit about that jeff you know i have heard that there's there's a lot of information, a lot of uh, myths and legends from the Native Americans uh, as far as the Grand Canyon is, is concerned. And, you know, the Hopis, the Hopis uh, consider themselves, uh, they, they say that they emerged out of the Grand Canyon, that that's the emergence point uh, where they came out of. And there's actually a cave there uh, that is roped off, that, that is no longer access to the public that the Indians own, and you cannot go into that cave. Um, there's a lot of archaeologists that has found, supposedly has found, uh, giant bones in that canyon. 
uh, has found uh, their stories go on, goes on to say that there's artifacts uh, from Egypt uh, found in that canyon. And that's interesting, too, because, you know, that canyon uh, is a ma- major doorway. So these spirals that, are, that the Native Americans are carving on these rocks out here are actually representing doorways. And when the spirals end down, then it's either that crack in the stone or it's that whole canyon on the side of the mountain there, which is the emergence point, which is the doorway. And that's what these spirals are representing. If the spiral is, is going clockwise, it's a doorway in. If the spiral is going counterclockwise, it's a doorway out. Wow. Now, this is interesting, too, because, you know, that now the Native Americans say that they're going down into the underworld. That's, this is what Mexico... Uh, Mayans say and, and, and uh, some of these other uh, myths and legends of, is are going down into the underworld but on a scientific basis when you look at this as a, as a scientific uh, area because I've seen this I've witnessed these things personally come and go from these mountains they're not just landing on the mountains dude. they're going inside the mountains they are absorbing themselves this is a technology these things are alive these things are like if you if you want to call them supernatural let's call them supernatural these things are highly uh miracle it's a miracle these things are going in the mountains they're going in those cracks they're going in those canyons and why is because that is where the energy lies. They are actually, uh, after, uh, they are actually absorbing the energy from fall lines uh, and natural energy spots around the Earth. Uh, fall lines, like I mentioned, and volcanoes, and uh, and now and now some man-made uh, devices such as nuclear facilities. These things is absor- absorbing energy. This is the secret here. And, you know, when we look at Stonehenge and when we look at some of these other uh, light shadow occurrences to the equinox and the solstice, you know, a lot of these archaeologists, they want, they want us to believe, well, it's a changing of the seasons, now it's time to plant corn. Bullcrap! That has nothing to do about planting corn and getting your farms ready to go again. It has everything to do with these beings in the sky. The secret is when, when the sun aligns, uh, with these fault lines in the sky, it opens up these doorways. It causes a fusion effect. And it, and it attracts these beings to these natural uh, energy sources, uh, such as uh, South Mountain in Phoenix, Arizona. South Mountain was created uh, by a fault line. It's, uh, and most of the mountains around Phoenix is volcan- it was made by volcanoes. And uh, so, yeah, South Mountain is heavy uh, with energy. Uh, there's a power plant on the east side of South Mountain, bore down into that fault line. Um, yeah, and in 2004, I was doing a videotaping these lights over that power plant, not a nuclear power plant, but electricity power plant, or that, that down into that fault line there, and these, these Phoenix lights was absorbing that energy there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when the sun gets in the right position during the equinox and the solstice, during the times of the changing of the seasons, uh, it opens up these doorways that attracts these entities, attracts these UFOs to these to these uh, spots around the Earth for them to absorb the energy. This is the reason why sometimes, you know, like during the during the month, uh, there's a lot of UFO activity uh, on this mountain, and then after the equinox or after the solstice, they're kind of gone, right? Yeah. They move. Where do they go? They're simply following the sun. The sun moves across the Earth. So it is these entities. They're following the sun. They're following the ley lines. They're following the energy spot, energy spots. And this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. This is the pattern here. This is why sometimes we see UFOs in Florida after the equinox. They're not there in Florida. They're over here in Arizona now. You know, or they're over there in Iraq. Wherever the sun is over these fault lines from the equinox and the sulfur change of the seasons is when these uh, entities uh, are following to absorb the energy. Yeah, man, it is so amazing that these are following energy. Power is their dilemma. And I agree that, you know, it seems like I'm I'm glad you brought up the Phoenix lights because, I mean, how can you avoid bringing that up? And how many people witness that? One of the, if not the largest UFO sighting ever, at least in the United States. 
And if those are all individual entities, has anybody done any research as far as, as, as you know, the astronomy of that date or the calendar of that date, the moon phase, etc.? Um, you know, it, okay, so March, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, and August. That is the hot times uh, here in, in Phoenix because that's during, uh, that's an equinox and a, and a social time period. And so especially like January, February, March, all right? So we, that is, that's the beginning of the year. And uh, that's a major time. That's when the sun is in the right position here. And that's what draws these, these entities here. And uh, so, you know, it, it's not really a, uh, so an anniversary. They never come like on an anniversary. There's, there's really nothing special about that date right. or anything else like that. It, it, it has to do with the sun uh, aligned with the fault lines, with the ley lines, with the energy lines. Yep. in that position on, on the land yep. and where these creatures are going to be at when they're going to show up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as far as the Phoenix Light, the 1997 March 13th writing, uh, we can only, we can only, we have to look at what's credible, what we can prove. And what we can prove is what the videos show. And there's only four videos of this. All right? And these lights are on the west side of, of South Mountain. An energy source, an energy source, and, and what is what are they doing? They're making an arc. They're making an arc from one one mountain, uh, a mountain uh, on the west side known as uh, the Australia Mountain, which is Star Mountain in Spanish, uh, and connecting themselves to South Mountain. Uh, they just made an arc. Uh, they appeared in the sky. They were there for like five to ten minutes, and then they started disappearing. Uh, nothing. No evidence of anything going over the city of Phoenix. And the reason why we do have video of what really happened that night is because of sky watchers, and one of them was named Tom King. Now, Tom King, he was a, a sky watcher out here in Phoenix, Arizona, for a number of years. And the reason why he, was, he got this footage is because he was filming lights days and nights prior to that. You know, so he was waiting. He was waiting for something to happen. This is the reason why we have some of the videos of what really happened. It's because of sky watchers like Tom King. Mm -hmm. So if anything was going to fly over the Phoenix, fly over Phoenix, Arizona, reportedly going eight miles an hour, I mean, surely Tom King would have videotaped it. Mm -hmm. No. The only evidence that we find uh, of March 13th, 1997 are lights on the west side of, uh, of the valley. And if a handful of people can film lights far across the, uh, the Valley of the Sun, way over there on the, on the west side of, of Phoenix, Arizona, then why couldn't the same handful of people videotape something going over the city of Phoenix? This just does not make sense to me. For the last 20 years, I have been looking for proof positive of something, any evidence of anything going over the city of Phoenix. I haven't found it. All I found is hearsay. All I found is movies and books and people selling tickets, all right, of hearsay. Nothing, no evidence, nothing, no proof uh, of anything going over the city of Phoenix. Only lights on the west side uh, of South Mountain, basically. Okay, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for evidence. It's been over 20 years now since the lights happened. Still, there's no proof of anything going over the valley. Only people trying to sell movies, trying to sell tickets, trying to get on the news reports, trying to make movies. Those are the ones that are saying something went over my head. And uh, you know what? I'm a native here, dude. I was out there that night, man. I was outside. I was partying with my friends. And I'm telling you, I didn't see nothing go over Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. I missed the lights. Why? Because I wasn't looking over there. I wasn't looking on the west side of the valley, dude. I was in the middle of Phoenix having a party, dude, watching... You know, the, the, the night sky, dude, nothing went over Phoenix, and uh, only lights on the west side of the valley. So that is my 20-year investigation on the, what really happened to the Phoenix lights, and, and not just believing what some lady's trying to tell you uh, on selling her books and selling her movie tickets. You know, oh, the Phoenix Lights was in, oh, the spaceship went over the valley. <laughs> ben, if you're going to make a spectacular claim like that, you must be able to back it up. And all she's doing is going off the hearsay. Oh, 
somebody reported, oh, a big triangle craft went over Phoenix. And she based all that evidence <sighs> on that. You know, me. there's no proof killing of me. that. That is not credible. I'm sorry. Hearsay is not credible. What is credible are, is the petroglyphs on the mountain. They talk about the Phoenix Light. They talk about a completely different story than what everybody else is leading to believe. And the first park ranger, Charles Holbert, and from the horse's mouth, you know, from the Native Americans, who really was here, you know, who understood the lights, who were the first people to record the lights. And what did they say? What are they saying, dude? They're not saying spaceships. Nope. They're not saying crafts from Alpha Centauri. They're saying, look, man, these things are, they're here. They've always been here. And you know what? They're not from another planet, but they're not from outer space. They're from inner space, brother. This is their planet, too. A lot of people don't realize this yet. You know, they think, oh, they're from, you know, after the story, they're, they're from Mars. No, man. Yeah. Planet Earth is their home. Dude. They've always been here. You know, this is another species of life. Just as the oceanographers are finding new species of life below the ocean, this is a new species of life above the ocean that a lot of people, they, they know that they're here. They're just not telling us because of their history. Amen, Jeff. And, you know, it's funny that the Native American ideals and belief system is so quickly disregarded. And I think it's just genius that, I mean, I know who I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust the, you know, former uh, TV host. Uh, you, you've been on Ancient Aliens. You've been a Skywatcher in South Mountain. You've been a tour guide. You've been a UFO hunter for, like you said, 20 years. You've been uh, a UFO ambassador. And yet people aren't taking your word for it. And, you know, interaction, though, Jeff, is really, in my opinion, where, you know, the truth is going to come through. And you've had interaction with these things as they literally flew over your head. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I'm a native here in Phoenix, Arizona, so I've been seeing these orbs and these lights in the sky ever since I was a kid. Um, It really didn't start to really hit on me until, you know, I was just all over the place seeing these things uh, in the sky, and it made me go on a quest, on a journey, on a hunt to figure out what the hell was going on. You know, that's why I got into this. That's why I started doing this, is because... I wanted to find out the answers. Why are these things in the sky? You know, and uh, I went with the spaceship theory. I went with all these green guys, and and I couldn't find any evidence. And uh, and it wasn't matching. It wasn't matching what I was witnessing, what I was recording in the sky, man. Mm -hmm. You know, none of these books, none of these testimonies, none of this stuff of, uh, of spaceships and technology was matching what I was witnessing. Uh, until I discovered the petroglyphs out there on the mountain. Uh, and that really, uh, and, 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 and have a Native American actually explain to me what these, these, uh, glyphs are talking about. And then going back and some of these, you know, some of these scrolls, you know, like from the Sumerians, you know, and, and they talk about the Anunnaki. Yeah, They're man. talking about these yeah. creatures that come down from heaven, oh, yeah. you know, and, and some of these biblical scrolls. You know, if we get, if we kick religion out of the Bible and, and read the Bible as, as a type of uh, uh, history of the world, it tells us, dude, it tells us what these things are, man. You know, these things are biblical. They have always been here, even in biblical times. You know, look at the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, which Moses followed around the desert for 40 years, man. I mean, come on. They're following a UFO in the sky, dude. You know, UFOs and, and what we see in the skies today is all over that book and all over the Sumerian text and all over uh, other uh, tribal uh, traditions and uh, myths and legends and, and stories, you know? And I really think that it's time for us to take a second look at what these people are, are telling us. We're not just saying, look, you know, this is just a myth, this is just a story, you know? What if it's true, man? What if this is really what's really going on in our skies? And for, uh, and unfortunately, a lot of people have dismissed this, you know, because it's biblical stuff and they don't want to go into that. They would rather, you know, say, look, these are spaceships, it's technology, it's green guys, uh, you know, and, 
and and lead you into that because I feel that the public the public is more inclined to understand if it's technology. All right, if we if we have nuts and bolts spaceships, you know, people can understand that. They can relate to that more. Uh, but because over the thousand years, uh, mankind has forgotten, you know, what is really here, what has really happened in our history. I don't know if it's been covered up. I don't know if it's been purposely uh, forgotten in our in our minds. Um, but they're not looking at all the evidence here. And the evidence is pointing to something else. I was started to go down this one path of creatures, Alpha Centauri, uh, little gray guys, and the evidence and the proof and and and, and the and the um, the, the evidence was was taking me down another road. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I I can't go with that. I have to go with the road that's leaving where the evidence is. You know, the credibility. If the credibility is losing. Uh, over here with spaceships and, and technology, if we if we can't prove that, then I have to go down this other road where it there is proven with the with the scrolls and the Native American carvings and what they say of, of what's really here, uh, because they were the first ones here on this land, dude. So you know, I think we should really understand and take a second look at what these people are saying to us, uh, especially through their carvings and and and. You know, there's this whole outlook on life, you know, on how sacred things are, uh, because that's really what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, the other day, <laughs> the other day I went up and I, I saw some petroglyphs here near where I live in Nevada. And, you know, you look at them and you think to yourself, what would it take for me? Let's let's leave culture and everything out of it. What would it take for me to climb up on that cliff etch something into it and then you know with the pictographs add berries and blood and i mean we're talking a very significant amount of effort to put a message on the wall that they consider important and we are totally overlooking right you know the the way to understand these types of glass is you have to you have to look at the whole landscape because the artist is including the landscape in with the petroglyphs. It's not just a little picture um, carved on a rock. No, he's telling a story. This is a prehistoric photograph. This is a prehistoric video. This is a living video, a living photograph, because he's adding the whole landscape in with uh, the carving. So when we see a carving that's carved high up on a cliff, and it looks like a cross, or a squiggly line, or a snake, or something like that, and you have to look up, he's telling us, look, this is where this happened at. This is a, um, a photograph uh, of what happened in the sky. This is the reason why you have to look up. You have to look up to see the art because the art happened in the sky. Get it? You yeah. understand? <laughs> yeah. So you, we look up, we see, you know, a flying snake, and that's exactly what he's saying. He, he carved a flying snake up high up on that cliff. Because he saw a flying snake high up in the sky. Man, and there's not a better name than petroglyphs in the sky. That's so cool, Jeff. The um, interesting thing is I, I, I want to touch on that you, I'm so glad you mentioned, is we, t we, we often don't realize that we don't even know the real truth about the bottoms of our oceans yet. And yet... You know, if we see something out of place, it's got to come from another planet. We can't seem to believe that something can hide in plain sight, as you've witnessed and, and many people have witnessed. This is something that's possible in going in and out of mountains. Yeah, you know, there, there's so many fish and, and, and living, like, organisms that we haven't even discovered yet at the bottom of the ocean, you know, and, which is alive. You know, and it's 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 living uh, creatures, if you will. It's another life form. Um, you know, just like just like Europa. I mean, there's, there's, the scientists are telling us that the that Europa, uh, one of the moons of Saturn, is is full of water and and could contain fish. You know, I believe that. Yes, there is uh, uh, life on other planets uh, outside the solar system. Yes, there's life. Um, whether it's, you know, intelligent life to build a spaceship, 
uh, that's yet to be, you know, actually proven. Uh, there's a lot of hearsay, a lot of people selling books about this, but actually there's, there's really no evidence of this. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to go with what the evidence say. Um, the scientists have said, uh, look, we found seven Earth-like planets, you know, on the outskirts of our solar system. And uh, sure, you know, what's to say that there's an advanced civilization there, and they've made technology, spaceships, and they've come and visited Earth every once in a while. Um, I get it. I'm open to that. Um, I, I'm ready to acknowledge the evidence of this, you know. Uh, but I haven't found it yet. I'm still searching. Um, I, I still haven't found any evidence, any proof. Um, the proof that I have been finding is what the petroglyphs are explaining about the doorways. Uh, about these shapeshifters, these anthropomorphs, uh, these living creatures that are shapeshifting into snakes That's and right. orbs and lights and diamonds and crooked snakes and just weird things that we that we see on the mountains, on cars on the mountains, um, that a lot of people just really fail to understand the knowledge of. And um, so, like I said, I think, you know, this... There's been a thousand years of lost history uh, that mankind has forgotten for some reason. I'm not sure really why. Uh, We lost a thousand years of history uh, in our memory. And I don't know if it's through cover-up. I don't know if it's purposely done that way. But something, uh, something, we've lost a thousand years of history. Uh, But the evidence is still here. They can't erase the evidence. They can erase our memories, but they can't erase, erase our evidence. And the evidence suggesting what our history really is, is taking us down a path um, that we're not being told. And it's unfortunate because when you really go looking for answers, like I did, you know, you think you've found the answers and you're going down this road because you think that's where the answer lies. And then it, it, you come into a fork of the road and you're saying, wait a minute, the credibility lies down this road. You know, you have to go with what the credibility, you have to go with what the evidence is, is suggesting. And it's telling you a different story here. You know, the proof, the evidence is telling you something completely different than what we are led to believe, you know, in schools and history and, and you know, some of these, these cable shows that are completely giving you nonsense, you know, on what's really here. They want you to believe in something completely unproven, unfactual. You know, but yet they're airing it on television. They want people to believe what they're saying. And it's unfortunate that they do without investigating what's really going on here. And that's basically what I did. So I heard, you know, I found out that there's supposedly a lot of UFO activity in in Las Vegas. So I went out there. I I called a bluff. I went looking for these UFOs in Las Vegas uh, that this guy's claiming that's going on out there. And uh, I'm sorry, I didn't see any UFOs. I saw a lot of stuff uh, on his videos. I'm not going to say any names right now, but uh, but a lot of uh, evidence on his videos that I proved our, our airplanes, our, our military jets, um, our drones, and things like that. But yet some of these cable shows are, are just taking these videos and airing them without looking into facts here. That's what's upsetting me. You know, we have these these people out there that haven't done their research, that haven't done their uh, history, that haven't done the field work, you know, and and, and doesn't have the, the credibility and the evidence uh, to show, uh, but yet these videos are airing on television misleading the public when there's so much more um, so what's really going on here, and uh, and I think that's probably, I probably just answered my question uh, on why there's a thousand years of, of lost information is because of, of bullcrap like this that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. All these people filming, you know, these airplanes and, and these things that, that they claim are UFOs or spaceships, and, and people are, are believing this and not looking into uh, this stuff for themselves. And I think once you do that, just don't take my word for it, dude. Don't take anybody else's word for it. You have to go. If you want to find out what's going on, you have to go out there and discover things on your own. You have to investigate things on your own. Don't take my word for it. 
word for it. Don't take somebody else's word for it. You go out there and check it out for yourself, dude. If you're seeing these things in the sky, record it, tell people about it. Get out there in the field, and I'm telling you, watch the mountains. The mountains and the petroglyphs is the source. All right, that's where you want to go. And, and, and check into your history um, on what the Native Americans say about your land. And if, you're, if the Native Americans are saying spirits and sacred mountains, dude, that's a hot spot for these UFOs, and that's the place where you want to watch. All right, so that's the place you want to go. Mm. And uh, so once, once these people, you know, once you start going out there and realizing what's, what's really here, your whole outlook on life, you're going you're gonna to start to, to look, you know, at things a little different. You know, wait a minute, we have been, we've been lied to all these years. You know, we have been lied to. Something else is going on here. This is where the evidence suggests. This is what is really going on here. That's what I did. I mean, I didn't just take the evidence of some lady saying, oh, a spaceship went over uh, City of Phoenix, uh, March 13, 1997. I called a bluff on it, dude. I was like, okay, prove it. You know, prove it. Let's, let, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to go see what, what, what proof I can find. I didn't find any proof of that at all, dude. But I found evidence in the Native Americans. I found evidence on the petroglyphs. I found evidence of my own damn stuff watching the skies and uh, recording what was going on here. So that's what totally changed my mind on what the on what these cable shows are, are trying to lead you to believe, on what these people trying to sell you books, the movie tickets are trying to make you believe. And uh, so just go out there and do it on your own and... and, and, and find out what's going on for yourself <laughs> yeah man i it's so true it's so true and i know that you're going to go into what's really flying over vegas and people can find out on your next show and that's a good segue into telling people where they can find information on your shows I, i'm glad that you have two now paranormal and ufo and your book uh where can people get a hold of you and keep in touch with you you know the best way is um on my facebook page jeff Woolwine, in the sky um, you can find me on YouTube, uh, The Phoenix Lights, Petroglyphs in the Sky. Um, my book is on, like, uh, Barnes & Noble, eBay. Um, it's called The Phoenix Lights, uh, Petroglyphs in the Sky, Two Stories, Miss Legends, and UFOs over Phoenix. Now, this book really goes into uh, the lost history of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, it, it has a lot of photographs there uh, explaining the petroglyphs. Um, and understanding what the Phoenix Lights is. Um, you really have to read the book to understand what the lights are because it's totally different from what everybody else is, is trying to say. But this was from a Native American point of view. This is from what history tells us what these lights and what the true history of Phoenix is. So it's not an everyday UFO book. This is a different kind of book. And uh, so the Phoenix Lights, Petroglyphs from the Sky, True Stories, Most Legends, and UFOs of the Phoenix, and uh, I, I do a, a live uh, YouTube show, uh, a live Facebook show um, on my Facebook channel, um, Petroglyphs in the Sky. And I, I like to come out on Saturdays and, and do the show every Saturday. Um, sometimes I, I miss it because I'm, I'm, doing a, a, I'm working on another uh, schedule of uh, things, trying to get the next show together. So sometimes I do miss a weekend. But yeah, I try to get up, get up on there on every Saturday. And this coming Saturday, we will be talking about uh, what I've filmed uh, over Vegas and what a lot of people would, would try to uh, assume are spaceships, uh, but actually there's a logical explanation for this. And they'll say, yeah, we're going to be going into that. And, um, and then on the paranormal side, you can find me on, on the paranormal uh, Petroglyphs in the Sky SLS cameras. Uh, I'll be doing a seance there. Um, uh, my show, will be, we'll be talking about a seance that I did in, inside the Luxor Pyramid. And uh, also a little bit of uh, uh, secret footage, if you will, uh, from Zach Baggins' Haunted Museum. Mm. So, yeah, we went and checked out that. But you, you'll see a little bit of stuff about that, too, on that show. So, yeah, that's going to be Saturday night. Super cool, man. I can't wait to see the seance and, and the other stuff. You're, you're, you're not, uh, I like that you said the book's not an everyday book because it really isn't. And you're not an everyday guest. You're, you're one of the best. Thanks so much for joining us again, Jeff. And I hope to, hope to talk to you soon, my man. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You, you have a, a wonderful day and night. <laughs>
Maseratis and paparazzi I'm going kamikaze as soon as a nigga trip Two-step, I do minds like this DeLorean, historian, her storyin We partying back to the future like Michael J Fox, I throw that cause she feel some type of way She hot, but it ain't gonna change a thing with this pimping I ain't with that simping, can't you see we on a mission, baby? Boom, blast off in my time machine Third eye feeling like it need Vizine Blast off, blast off, blast off Blast off. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like a need vaccine. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off.
Well, there you have it, guys. Jeff Woolwine, a guy so passionate. That's what I like about him. And his his laundry list of experiences, you know, I, I can relate. I can relate. It's It's one of those situations where when in close proximity of something that is exercising your belief in everything, you tend to focus on the traits that are most impressive and worrisome to your own well-being. This is, you know, these things are things that are not undangerous. They're out of our element. We don't know what they are. And I think that's where a lot of the fear comes from. And Jeff has interacted and seen these things in close proximity. I understand the effects that that can have. And you get to interact and understand what it is you're looking at a lot more than just looking at a video. Uh, Looking at a video is not going to give you the same impression uh, or the same sensitive information that is enclosed in a close proximity sighting. So I, I, I never... It, it never ceases to amaze me, the passion with which Jeff speaks. And, and I think that's, that's really impressive. He's, he's saved us all tons and tons of time because he's been out in the field doing what people do. And I thought it was very interesting that he mentioned that when the Native Americans are scared of a location, that's where you want to look. I thought that was an interesting comment. I don't know if I will have to look more into that. And uh, I was fascinated, absolutely fascinated with the petroglyphs in the sky. If you see petroglyphs, picture them exactly where they are, usually on a cliff face. Usually you're looking towards an area. Well, if you see the petroglyph, if you look above, that's most likely where the petroglyphs in the sky took place. This is key information for any researcher, whether that's a weekend warrior or somebody that is loyal and going to the same spots over and over again, be safe. But look at all the time you just saved. If you stick to the script, let, 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 the, let the guys that have been out there tons and tons do the heavy lifting so you don't have to. In other words, you're just going to do what myself and many others, Jeff, we just wasted time figuring this stuff out ourselves. So take the expertise and advice from those who have been in the field at length. I know I will. And uh, until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around.